0: what is up everybody you're listening to another episode of the good vibes only podcast we've got episode two of the deep end so this week robert's leading the conversation he wanted to talk about the ideas of what it means to be a man now my first disclaimer for this conversation is that uh when robert and i record the deep end we record this over the phone uh with an app uh, just to kind of keep it really candid keep it really comfortable for the both of us just really easy so if there's any really high sound clips or any issues like that uh this is not a studio episode this is via phone um secondly you know a lot of a lot of the opinions that we share in this show in this episode this conversation they're really just our opinions and it's just more or less us having a conversation with each other so if, if if you're listening to this episode and you think that maybe some of the views opinions or ideas that we might have uh you know might be different or or maybe you have a different view of things we'd love to hear them um you know the really the 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 main purpose of our show is to really just have conversations and get people thinking but we don't believe that we have all the truths and or the answers to everything But I think that this episode really kind of helps people understand where we are on this topic. But I think we, I I really feel like we got to the bottom of a lot of what we think it means or has brought us to to understand what it means to be a man both in our own experiences, but also to just kind of in the world we live in. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode uh, of The Deep End. And as always, we hope you guys come out there and just jump on in, dive on in with us and enjoy this week's episode. (laughs)
1: you there what up (laughs) what's up oh you know you know what's up what's up i feel like i just talked to you
0: (laughs) wait we did just talk to each other why were we talking michael why why were we talking yeah why were we talking talking. we were uh, we were on a coach's call together so uh, about every month, maybe every two weeks, we have a coach's call for the ruthless team. Ruthless in pursuit. Yeah, so, no, just getting some stuff touched up for before we head into camp for August, and then, uh, yeah, 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 so. Chit, chit, chit. But, uh, all right, people, welcome. Welcome. To episode two, Dose. Meh, 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 of the deep end so today i am handing off the questions and the hosting to rob dog here and Shit. uh yeah take it away what are we what do we what are we diving into today bro
1: so last week we talked a lot about identity and how we think we've formed that across the years so what we want to dive into a little bit today is what is your definition of a man kind of goes along hand in hand with identity. So as as you know, men and women have been kind of put in little boxes throughout life and been told kind of what to do or what they should or shouldn't be. So I mean, to kind of start this off, Michael, what do you think? What is your definition of a man? Oof. That's a that's a very deep hard question to start with, but I mean, let's let it roll. Let's see what happens.
0: Uh yeah, I mean, I definitely think for me that um You know, I I think sometimes the first at at a glance, like when someone first says like, a man, like what's a man? Like, you know, part of me is like going to jump to like a Dwayne, the rock Johnson or like, uh, you know, Russell Crowe from gladiator type scenario. But I think, uh, I don't know, man, that's, I think for me, that definition has definitely changed over my lifetime, but I think for me, Hmm. I think for me, a man, a man means a lot of things. Um, I I think for me, it just kind of is defined by where maybe you're at with your own, you know, your own version of yourself. I think for right now, that means for me, it means a husband, a, a father, a provider, a protector, um, a leader. I mean that, that just that, I think those are just some of my own self definitions, but I think that, um, man, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, so, so the kind of, sorry to interrupt you. What do you, no. what do
1: you, what do you think your, uh, your definition used to be? So kind of like tapping into like how you grew up, what did you kind of, what was kind of put on you as what a man should be? What were people telling you what a man should be?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, uh, I, you know, I've been blessed to grow up with parents that I think, you know, tried to instill values in us from the beginning, but you know, growing up, um, you know, from as long as I can remember, like my dad, you know, early on in my life, my dad was still in in the thick of his bodybuilding career, um, and everything. And so a lot of what I saw of my dad was, you know, somebody who just put in work, you know, um, he, he was a professional bodybuilder. He owned his own business. You know, he was kind of the person that was bringing home the cake for our family, but Two, for me, I saw somebody who, you know, was dedicated to the resolve that he had for himself. But I, I think that, uh, you know, he also, he also kind of showed that basically if you want something like you got to work for it, and there's really no excuses. And I think early on when I was younger, you know, my dad was still, my dad was still pursuing a lot of his own goals. So early on in my life, you know, like we talked last time from like that zero to five. Like I was still, uh, you know, my dad was still going through a lot of chasing his own mountains and his own goals. And so a lot of what I saw of my dad was that, you know, his time was his time and that, you know, you, if you want what's yours, you get it. And I think that early on, that's kind of what I thought of, what I thought a man was, was like, you just kind of, you know, you put in work and you take what you want to take. And as long as you're the biggest, baddest dude, like. You know, no one's going to stop you and you're just going to be able to do, you know, do what you want with your life. And so I think that was kind of like the first, I don't know, I guess you could say the first definition of a man I was kind of exposed to. But at the same time, my dad had a very emotionally and physically abusive father. And, you know, that was the one thing that I think that I do appreciate my dad is because my dad had so much hate for how he was treated. You know, my dad was never... Yeah, you know, my dad was hard. My dad was hard on me, and and there was, you know, I mean, there's some things that my dad, some mistakes my dad made as a parent and as a father to me. But for the most part, you know, he all, he always made sure that we had whatever we needed, um, and you know, made sure that we knew that he cared about us. But you know, yeah, that was kind of my first first exposure to like really understanding, you know, who my dad was as a man was that you know he just you get you you get after what you want to get after, so to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely I think our, our biggest influence of what a man typically is is from that first that first um solid male role model we have growing up. So I mean it's it sounds pretty dang amazing that you had a pretty solid foundation for that. You had a dad who clearly cared and could have totally went the opposite route of it and totally been physically, emotionally abusive in, in that realm of things, but instead he kind of knew that and kind of grew above that and reflected that and said, okay, this is what I don't want for my kids. And instead of putting that on you, he put his bullshit aside, looked in the mirror and been like, Hey, I'm the better man. Let me do what needs to be done. And I think that's, that's fucking huge.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I mean, my dad wasn't perfect. Like I think, you know, I, you know, my dad, you know, when he was, I think part of the things that made him, made me really have an interesting relationship with my dad growing up is that my dad still, he, you know, he still struggled with his demons. Like, my dad still had his, had his bouts of kind of verbal abuse and, you know, just kind of some intimidation things. And I think that those were some things that kind of set him early on. But, yeah, for the most part, you know, I was really, I think I was really fortunate to have just uh, somebody who, you know, just kind of showed that, like, hard work truly does pay off. I think that's just some of my earliest memories is just of my dad just working, you know, working for what he wanted.
1: Yeah. Do you think, um, he, like those, those things of like working for what he wanted for, do you think that's kind of instilled a pretty strong work ethic within yourself?
0: Yeah, I I would say so. I, I think the one thing that I see in myself and I've seen myself over the years is that, you know, the one thing that I remember about my dad though is that even though he worked really, really hard, he was also kind of unapologetically selfish about those goals too. And sometimes, you know, other people's wants and needs didn't always weren't always as much of a priority to him. And so I I think I've definitely seen that in myself as I've gone through kind of the, I don't know, the continuum of growing up as a boy and a man is that as I've got, as I've gotten to certain points in my life, like I've kind of, I've kind of thought that like being unapologetically selfish for my own goals was kind of part of my work ethic, which at times I've had to learn isn't the case, but yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I think the one thing that my dad kind of taught me is, is that, you know, if you, you know, if you don't want to work for something or if you don't want to put in the effort for something, like the consequence of that is that it won't come easy. And so I think that I learned that early on. And so whether it was sports or school or the military or getting into business or just training myself, like physical training and, and things like that, like I just kind of always knew that, well, <clears throat> when, you look, when you're looking at the idea of a goal, if you want to chase it, like understand that it's probably going to be uncomfortable. And if you're not willing to be uncomfortable, then probably not worth, you know, wasting your time. And so I think that. That's kind of always kind of how I've been is like, OK, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to be all in because there's no other options. And that's definitely played to my benefit, but also not, you know, also played to the detriment of relationships and friendships and <coughs> opportunities and things like that as well. Hmm. What do you what do you think? So right into the
1: segue of relationships with that, do you what do you feel has hindered you the most with this hustle-go-get-it mentality, do you think that's benefited you more or do you think it's hindered you more within relationships and friendships? Like, how have you found that balance?
0: Um, I mean, balance is forever. It's a, forever, a bad word. For, <laughs> no, it's not a bad word. So I think balance is forever evolving. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it hindered me early on a lot because I – just thought that everybody should be, everybody should be benefiting me. And if they're not benefiting me, then like, what's the point? And Mm -hmm. so, you know, for me in high school that presented itself in some, I think some insecurities and some control issues and in relationships with not just girlfriends, but like friendships too. like being like, well, if you're not about me, then you're against me. You know, like if you don't think that like, if you don't, if you don't care about me the way I think that I care about you, or if you don't care about this thing, the way that I think I care about this thing, like you either have some like weird hidden agenda or you're just like, you're not, you're not useful to me. So I'm just going to immediately move on to the next thing, you know? And so I think that early and early on in it that really affected the way that I kind of, mm, Placed value on friendships and relationships, and you know, I carried that into a lot of my young adulthood. Like, just I don't know, just you know, just always thinking that someone had an agenda. I think is kind of the insecurity over time that I kind of built up, and then you know, I think now for me, I think the biggest benefit and or struggle with all that is that you know now I'm to a point where. I am not afraid to say no to something if I know that either I can't give it my effort or I can't give it my time or it's just not benefiting me or my family. So I think that's played to my strengths as I've kind of come through, you know, the spectrum of understanding how to navigate that. And now for me in business, it's like, okay, if that's not benefiting my business uh, or it's not benefiting me, my growth, then, you know, I just don't need to be wasting my time on it. So it's like that, and that's, like, come full circle, so I think, I don't know, there's I, there's a lot to unravel from that, but I think that's just kind of, in a short view, it's kind of where it's brought me through.
1: Yeah, so absolutely, it's definitely helped you with some growth in that in that realm. Do you think, with with your relationships, do you think that sort of mentality of saying like, oh, well, maybe you have a hidden agenda or maybe you have this or that kind of working for you. Do you think that allowed you to be kind of this word that is it goes against everything, masculine, vulnerable? Do you think you were able to be vulnerable in a lot of situations with that?
0: Um, early on, no. I think early on I was, I mean, I've always been a pretty scared individual. And, and when I say scared individual, like I'm, I've always been very fearful of failure, very fearful of, you know, like, hey, well, can I really do this thing? And so I think early on, definitely, like, in my teenage years, like, that, like, definitely created this environment, you know, where I, like, always felt like I had to be proving something to everybody or I always had to, you know, be the best at whatever I was doing or just be feel like people were, like, paying attention to, like, what I was doing. And and that definitely, you know, that definitely created, like, some weird patterns and, and I was thinking about this the other day when you were saying that this is what we want to talk about and like it, it made me realize that I think that as men and there's going to be people listening to this that probably think that, that I disagree with this but I think as men I think that I think that we are born I think we are I think we are more born liars as men than we are as women and, and hear me mm. out so I, I think that because of what society, uh, you know, the, the pressures that society puts on us, but also too biologically by nature and things like that, like we we as men I think are born as liars because we are born to always be looking for the snake in the grass. You know, mm-hmm. I think because by nature we are born to be protectors, whether that's protecting of ourselves or protecting other people. So, you know, like I was – it was funny that you want to talk about this because I – I can't remember where I was. I was some somewhere a few days ago, and I, I saw these two little boys. Oh, I remember. I was with, um, I was with my daughter uh, at a sporting goods store, and I saw these two little boys with their mom, and um, they were standing at the top of the these. There's the sporting goods store is two stories, and there's this big staircase in the middle of it. And they were standing at the top of the staircase, and the one little boy they couldn't have been five, six years old. The one little boy said to the other, which I would only assume was his, like, brother or something, is that um, I could jump down this entire staircase in one jump. And it was, like, I mean, it was, like, a 40-foot flight of stairs. Like, <laughs> and it's tile. Like, no, dude, you're not. You're going to die. You know what I mean? But he's, like, well, yeah. And then his brother's, like, well, yeah. Well, I could jump down. I could jump down a, a set of stairs that was even bigger than this. And like, you know, like nobody, you know, nobody necessarily naturally taught these boys to be doing that, but because it's in our nature to always be, as men, I think always be assessing the situation or sizing something up or seeing if it's something that we can take on or we can't take on. Like it builds this weird nature, like nature of like, almost like I don't want to say lies in like the most negative way but we like we we get we're really good at poker we're really good at like bluffing if we have to because mm. maybe that means that I have to bluff you so that you don't fight me but internally I'm terrified that you might beat me so I need to bluff and and shit talk my way out of something or I need to uh, you know I don't I think this girl's out of my league so like I'm going to try to put put the Mac Daddy on heavy <laughs> like make her think that you know or 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 whatever you know or or put it on you know i need to put on this persona like maybe it's you know me, you know like man i really want this i really want this guy to like me i really you know so i need to have this this show or whatever and i think that i think that if that's not nurtured in the right way or or fostered in the right way early on then that can really manifest like it did for me into a lot of insecurities of just like having to always prove myself to people or women or or superiors or supervisors but sometimes in a way that like I was almost like kind of like lying a little bit just to like make myself come across better and so like yeah so I think that there's a piece like to come back to your question like I think there's a piece of vulnerability that we all come to at a certain point in manhood or or growth as a man or something like that. And I think where a lot of that vulnerability is hard is because depending on how you were raised or the circumstances you're around, you depends on like kind of the way that you've kind of lied yourself around some situations or bluffed your way through some situations. And I think that if you've been in a situation or a life to where you've kind of had to bluff your way through life to protect yourself and then coming to terms with like being vulnerable with other people yourself is harder or you know like for me like honesty was something that my father tried to always instill in us and so I think because of that I was always able to maybe be a little bit more willing to be vulnerable with people but for a lot of it it was like you had to prove yourself to me before I would kind of be vulnerable and so like I said I think that yeah I mean to kind of answer your question like yeah it's helped me be vulnerable but in a weird in a weird kind of way so to speak
1: yeah I think I think the vulnerability you kind of nailed that right on the head it's 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 tough because as men growing up we're taught like oh be a man be a man that's like the thing you hear the most or don't be a bitch don't be <laughs> this or don't be that and it's like like that little, that little boy that maybe didn't get the love or didn't get the care he needed, like you're saying, didn't, you didn't nurture it in the proper way. He's going to grow up with his chest puffed out, and maybe he's got this big, strong exterior. He's like jacked out of his mind, 260, 6'8", just something ridiculous. And then he's just like this scared little boy on the inside because no one's ever taught him that, hey, dude, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to express yourself and feel how you want to feel. Instead, you're just a walking asshole or a walking reaction in that in that
0: sense no i agree and i think that like you know i work with a lot of like middle school high school athletes and i think that like you know just like walking down the halls of like a school or dealing with like these bo- you know these boys and these young men on these sports teams and stuff is like you still see it like you still see that you know that like like I, like I agree, I agree that like society is rough on young women and and girls. Like there's an expectation, there's an external expectation, I think more on women than there is on men. But, and I think, but for young men and boys, I think that the internal expectation is, I think what a lot of boys have to deal with is just like, you know, it's like you have to have you have to you have to have tough skin externally and that's because of the things that little boys do to each other internally. Like, oh, uh, you're a pussy or you're small or you're not fast or you're not, like, you're not funny, you're not smart. Like, little boys are always digging at each other to almost kind of prove, like, who is, like, the alpha male in the situation. And I think for a lot of young men and boys is, like, when, you know, and, and and I think that, you know, not every man or boy needs to be in a a quote unquote, whether you want to think it's real or not an alpha male. And I think that for a lot of boys that having to come, there's, there's no point in their life where people teach them like to come to terms with the fact that you're not Johnny on the block. Like that's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? That there's, there's a place for you in this world because you're sensitive or because you're quieter because you're, you know, you know, you know, more meek than somebody else. And so I think that, you know, especially being around sports with little boys is like, watch, I had, like, I had this one kid during hockey camp. They, it was during my 10 to 12 year old boys. And he comes over to me and he goes, can I just like, it was one random day. He just goes, can I just like, can I just like sit on the bench? I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, I was like, yeah, dude, what's up? Like, why you want to sit on the bench? He's like, I only come to the to do hockey because my dad wants me to play hockey because he played hockey. So, but I don't really like hockey, but he doesn't know that. So do you care if I just like sit on the bench? I was like, I was like, yeah, man. I, was like, yeah man. I was like, yeah, man. I was like, if you don't want to play today, you don't got to play today. And you know, but the fact that that little boy, whether he realized it or not in that moment had the knowledge and understanding to see, that he had a weird expectation put upon him because of what his father deemed was necessary for him, but had like, had like the internal self-confidence just to be like, I don't want to do this right now. But knowing that probably later on in his life, when he gets to a certain point of, of, you know, maturity, which is the weird paradox of maturity is you get a certain level of maturity. Like you only get more self-conscious about yourself. So I think that, I think that, like I said, I think that, seeing that that there's so many different types of young men and boys and that the fact that we try to fit them all into one box constantly, I think that's where a lot of these issues arise from is that like you're saying, is that we kind of we kind of put this expectation on men and I think that it starts from so young and and I think if, if we you know, if it's like if we treat if we let young men and boys be treated as individually as they looked, then I think that we'd have a lot different society than we do now with the issues that we have with vulnerability. And, you know, I even though I hate this term because it's because of become a buzzword, like toxic masculinity and all these things. Yeah. Do you, do you
1: think, uh, toxic masculinity is that is that even like really a thing like what what
0: what is that to you what is what do you mean is that well i mean disclaimer (laughs) for anybody that's listening like (laughs) if you believe that toxic masculinity is a thing a real thing that's fine i think everybody has their own interpretation of it i think that i think that there are mm, just like anything i think there's subcategories and sub identifiers under every definition Mm. do i think that Toxic masculinity is a global epidemic. No, I do not, because I think that just by putting a simple, simplistic generalization label on it, we've already we've already missed the mark on what the real issue is. Do I believe that there is a toxic environment in which masculinity can be uh, misrepresented and or misused? One hundred percent. But that same thing can go for racism. Same thing can go for feminism. Same thing can go for anything, anything that's a movement or an identity. There's always going to be a way that we can put that in a toxic environment. You know, it, it, it's it's just like our bodies. Like if, if the, you know, our bodies can go septic or septic or toxic, if certain chemical imbalances are happening in our body, like it's the same thing for any kind of, societal norm or group or identifier. I think that I think they all have the potential to be toxic, but I don't think that masculinity or toxic masculinity itself to my personal belief. I don't think that's a real thing. I think Mm. that it's masculinity that is being misused, but I don't think I don't, I don't know. I, 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 Everything, verse, and everything can be engineered to be reframed and fixed. And I think that I think that sometimes labeling something as, as toxic masculinity is an oversimplification, and we're just putting something into a box instead of being willing to open and examine the real root issue of whatever whatever it is we're using that to identify mm, with.
1: that really that really i i think you hit the nail on the head with that like i think the biggest thing people who say stuff like that like talk, toxic masculinity or the feminist groups like those who hate on each other i think just lack perspective in that realm because what what how do you know that that say that adult or man child as people would call him because he's a walking reaction is how do you know his dad didn't act the exact same way he does. And that's all he knows from a male role model. He didn't have any other healthy, quote unquote, healthy male role models in his life. So he just took on what he saw from his father and just started running with it. And that is why a hundred percent he is the way he is. But on the inside, maybe this dude is scared shitless to do anything other than what he's seen that has worked.
0: Right. No, I agree with you. And I think that, I think that a lot of times, you know, being a product of your environment is, is such a crucial thing that I think, I I think that sometimes we use the, the, the statement of product of your environment to a lot of times persecute people more than anything. It's like, Oh, he's just a product of his environment. Like, you know, that, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, that may, that you could maybe use that as like a, a reaction thing. But the, the reality is, is this the truth is like you, like most men, And when I say most is because there's always an outlier for everything, but, you know, most men are, like you're saying, they're, they're just, they're, they're projecting, they're projecting some, they're projecting some point in their life where they weren't, where they weren't nurtured, accepted, or validated for something that they thought they needed or wanted to be, you know, um, you know, take, Take take the, you know the issue uh, of sexual orientation right now. Like you know, for a lot of for a lot of young men that are coming into a point in their life where maybe they're realizing, you know that they that they are gay or things like that. Like a lot of these men then struggle with the reality of of of, of how to approach that because typically there's somebody in their life that they care about that they're either worried that they are not going to receive validation from. Or that they've they've been neglect, you know. That validation instead of validation, they've met rejection. You know, a parent rejecting them because of their um, how they feel about themselves, or society rejecting them. You know, it's just like it, you know the idea there. And, and again, I'm drawing comparisons, and there's probably going to be someone that's upset. But I feel like, and and I, and I'm saying this as people listening to this. I'm saying as a white heterosexual. <laughs> midwest very much understanding of my privilege perspective Mm. like i understand that there's going to be there's going to be you know there's going to be nuances about these things that i don't fully understand and as the and i and i want people that are listening that you know maybe are from a different you know experience or background to understand that i understand i understand my privilege um and and understanding my privilege helps me understand that i don't have perspective on everything, but, you know, I feel like a lot of these situations are, you know, like, like the young gay man is, is no different than the young, a lot, in a lot of cases, no different than the young black man that is coming up from a, you know, a, a gang, a gang saturated drug saturated community where your only choices are to somehow get yourself out. Or just kind of have to be bought into the lifestyle, and I think that, I think that that's like those those scenarios uh, uh, of of young men having to choose to conform to something. I think I think that's where I think that's where this this head or topic of toxic masculinity comes from, is because you have a world of young men that are coming from. Different tribes, different cultures, but also two different upbringings, or even lack thereof of upbringings, and so these young men don't understand themselves. So how can we expect them to try to be understanding of each other in society and get and exist both with each other and with women and or you know their their partners or their relationships and things like that? So I think that like exactly what you're saying. I think is if we if we take a step back and we look at where yeah that that man child if we look at where he's coming from <clears throat> then if we probably took an extra little bit or a little bit of effort we could probably dig to the reality of of what brought him to where he is but i think the other problem is is that <clears throat> because of the environment of of how a lot of young men and boys are being brought up or being treated is the reason that they don't want to even search that in themselves is is because you know, because it comes from such a place of pain or fear. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think it comes down
1: to a huge, a huge lack of, of fathers realistically in the United States. There's a huge, I don't want to say epidemic, but it's a, it's a fatherless nation in that sense, because it's just a vicious cycle. Like you either not to act like I know anything about that, but it's like you either like sell drugs, make money and your family eats, or like you get shot in the corner for not doing something, or you just, you're just poor and living a low life. Like, how do you how do you respond to that when you don't have a male role model that's, like, strong and healthy to show you how to go through that stuff? And, I mean, I'll kind of relate it to me in a way. Like, i've I've just now been kind of learning to tap into emotions other than anger. I mean, when I was younger, I had no clue. And my mom was raising me. She was 18 at the time. Like, we were kind of growing up together. And she didn't have the tools to show me or tell me what was right or wrong to feel. Or I just... I had resentment and anger. And that was like the only two emotions I felt through the first five, 10, 15 years of my childhood. And I'm just now kind of cracking into everything else. I can only imagine being in such a hectic, hazardous environment, like what that could do to your psyche and how the hell, like, of course, of course, this violence happens. Of course, these people don't know how to fucking cope with anything. Like they're dealing with these daily struggles. Like, how do you expect them to rise above that? How do you even begin to expect that?
0: One, I think the problem too is, is like we talk about like we talk about young men coming from you know impoverished situations. But let's 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 look at you know let's statistically look at like you know like like the the rate of suicide in in, in young in young men like obviously. You know, suicide is way more prevalent in men than it is in women, statistically speaking. I'm not saying that it's worse than, than women committing suicide, but it's you know, it's more prevalent. And and the majority of these, you know, people committing young men committing suicide are white, middle class men. And 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 I think it's the idea, and again, it's not to draw comparisons of that what's more important of who's committing suicide, but my point being is that we talk about people, you know, we just talked about people that come from maybe impoverished or, or persecuted situations. But like, think about also to think about also to like, let, let's take, let's take, you know, a young, a young man who comes from a successful family, you know, who maybe goes to a successful school, uh, is given a success, you know, a privileged life, but maybe throughout that privileged life, you know, maybe this path that's of business or life or career that's set out for him, maybe along that way, this individual decides that they want to do or be something different or, or they find that they have a love or a passion for something that's outside of this story. That's already kind of forecasted for them. What is this, you know, society would say, well, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Like you have everything, you know, there for you, the world is at your fingertips. Like, you know, so on one hand, on one hand, you know, you know. On, on one hand, it's it's where this person, this young man, can feel the pressures of being something he doesn't want to be, and therefore struggles with with like, well, what's like, what is his self worth? Self worth because it's like, it's, does he be true to himself, or does he be true to what some something or somebody else is telling him is the best thing for him? You know, or two, or on the other side of it, it's like you know, so that person could then end up living a life of just never being fulfilled. And then that can even build up into anger, resentment, resentment and build into a toxic person or thinking on the other side, like think about the person who now with social media as a young man, like there's all these expectations of what a young, what a successful man could be, um, you know, of, of a different, race, orientation, all these types of things. And, and, you know, and and it's like now as young men, not only do we live in an environment where we have to, you know, be, you know, not only just like enticing to, you know, you know, enticing to women, you know, externally and internally, but now we, you know, now also too in the mainstream, like there's other young men that are feeling the pressures of feeling, um you know feeling like they're uh you know and they're adequate of of being you know attracted to other men as well and so it's like it's like all these situations are compiling onto young men in a way to where i think that we're we're at a point right now where if we don't see a turn in the way that we start to develop young men from an early age uh you know that we're only going to see this issue compound upon itself more and more and more not just for the the struggling you know minorities but also for the struggling majorities straight gay uh white black hispanic asian you know anything like it. and so i think that like it's like where do we draw the line on who's a whose situation is worse than the other because i think there's a huge comparison issue here not just for men in the world but also too, like. What like what? Do, are we actually asking young men like what they want for themselves early on, mm. or are we kind of just pushing them into what we think will be good for them? Mm. You know, and like that's like when people, you know, even like with my with Hadley with my daughter. Like when people ask me, like my my brother was one of my brothers was asking me the other day, well, don't you want to put her in sports? And I said if she wants to play sports, and he's like, well, don't you want that? Don't you want her to like? at least try and see what she likes and i'm like that's her that's her place to figure that out not mine my place is only to offer support when she's when she shows interest in something and, and i saw my brother like i saw in that conversation like this weird you know pressure that society had put on him because in his mind he's 18 in his mind he thought that was normal like it's like well you just go out and you do these things and you and you and you try to do it and you try to you know, it's 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 important to go out and do these things and, and do sports and do all this other stuff. It's like, well, no, not really. You know, and so it was interesting to see. It was interesting to kind of see that come out of them. And, and to come back to the point I was making is like there's so many outliers that are only making it more and more difficult for young men and boys to make a choice for themselves without feeling like the choice they made was the wrong decision or a weird decision you know what I mean oh you like boys that's weird it's like well no is it really maybe that's important for that person oh you like oh you you like you like Coors Light and football like 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 what are you a bro like what are you a bro what's your name Kyle you know like Chad like like Chad like we joke about those kind of things and I'm the first person to make those kind of jokes because I think that we have to laugh about issues that are tough but it's like that's a reality that's the reality that we're that young men and young, and young boys are growing up in right now
1: yeah it comes it comes back to like because comparisons like the thief of joy so i think as a society as a whole one of the many answers i, I won't say many one, one of the possible answers to this situation is instead of just coming down and throwing pain on someone and being like hey this is what you're supposed to be we're going to draw you you're this you're this you're that instead of that coming to a place of understanding and like you said with Hadley like showing support of being like oh is that's what you want to do that's awesome that's great like be willing to understand and know maybe you don't agree with it maybe you don't understand it but you don't have to understand it you just have to come from a place of understanding and show them that hey this is this is fine there's nothing wrong with this the past ideals that have been passed down through generation and generation might not be working might not have ever worked and who is who's to say that like any of that stuff had any meaning anyways. Maybe it's just all socially constructed to begin with.
0: Well, and I think the to the point you're making too, and, the, and as you say that, like, I, I catch myself all the time saying to myself, like, when I, you know, I'm talking to Jade about something or I'm trying to understand something, the decisions that somebody else is making, I catch myself in arguments all the time saying, well, that doesn't make sense to me. And then I have to be like, well... And then I have to remind myself, like, it doesn't have to make sense to me, you know, as long as it's not ethically or morally wrong or putting someone's life in danger, like somebody else's decisions don't have to make sense to me, you know? And, and I think that like, I think that we as a society, not just, not just with the pressure on young men, but we as a society as a whole is like, we, we are right now we're in this situation where we are struggling we're struggling to be okay with the fact that somebody else's life and or choices don't make have to make sense to us and i think that the problem is especially in the especially in the social media world where anybody can get on and make a comment about something is like you know like everybody everybody is always the first to cast stones like like take for instance like uh did you did you read the article or, or hear about like the issues that like Graham holmberg is dealing with right now the backlash
1: yeah, so he's got the the he does, he says no more taking your shirts off and no more booty shorts right
0: yeah, right so me at a glance, I don't get it like I don't get it like it's a you know it's a gym it's it's whatever it's hot and sweaty it's part of our culture I don't get it. You know, but what surprised me and shocked me, and this is a perfect example, I think, of what this is, you know, I'm just I'm just drawing example from his situation. But I think this is a perfect example uh, in some ways of what when people wonder why young men are so are, are men in general struggle with sharing vulnerability is like this is a perfect situation is like he that was a statement that was made for his gym and his private community. But yet, like, I don't know, like, and somebody in the CrossFit community, if you, whatever, I think, I think the dude that runs the morning chalk up, like the morning chalk up is the most fucking TMZ version of anything in the CrossFit realm ever. Like it's the most stupidly tabloidy thing ever. And I think the morning chalk up is hot trash. And like, you know, if that dude wants to talk to me about it, that's totally fine. But like my, my point is, is that, that was a private statement and choice that was probably made between him and his team based on whatever beliefs they have. Again, doesn't have to make sense to me. I don't agree with it. It doesn't make sense to me. But my point is, is that people were saying that he was a body shamer, that he was trying to make choices for people that he was trying to do all this stuff and that he was, well, oh, well, there's so many shirtless photos of you and like what, like practice what you preach. And it's like, well, Hey, Graham Holmberg doesn't compete anymore. And most of the photos that you find of him shirtless are when he was competing, which he hasn't really competed for a long time, you know? But the other thing too, is, is like, why are we so quick? Why are we so quick? And, and i I'll I'll, I'll, I'll tie this in with this, but it's like, why are we so quick to pass judgment on something that doesn't make sense to us? when it's the right of somebody else's belief or opinion. And I think, I think for young men and young women, like this is what's happening is that they get to a certain point where we say, be an individual, be an individual, be an individual, make your choices, make your life, make your whatever. But then they finally step out and make a choice or make a decision. And we're like, well, that doesn't make sense to us. So like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Like, why, like, what are you doing? Like, that's dumb that you're, you're a, you're, you know, you're a chauvinistic pig or, or you're being overly masculine or you're being too feminine. You need to man up like you're like, like, it's like, and I think that that's what's happening. And like, that's, what's so scary for me for like young men and women and and, and all in this situation is that, We want them to make their own decisions, but as soon as it's a decision that doesn't make sense to us, we, we just, we, we, we take away, we, we take away the individuality that we want them to have. And it's like, well, no, fuck, no, no, no wonder they're so confused. No wonder young men don't know how to deal with their feelings. It's because by the time you want them to talk about their feelings, they don't know what the fuck is safe to talk about or not to talk about. Because we've sent them this mixed message or anytime they put something out into society, we jump down their throat. Like when we have young, you know, when we have young male athletes that are going into their professional careers and we got, we've got news channels that are trying to bring up fucking tweets from 10 years ago that they wrote at probably shit faced at like a house party, like, like, how can we expect them to navigate that, those situations in a healthy manner and not be resentful or callous towards towards being open with people you know what i mean
1: yeah exactly it's just our our skewed i'll say fucked up perception as a society that if you don't if you don't form to my definitions of what should and shouldn't be then like i can't understand you and i hate you and like it's so easy it's so cliche like it's so easy to hate what you don't understand but it's it's fucking true like someone comes in and he you have like this preconceived definition of what a man or a woman or what a gay or straight person should be and they're totally not that and you're like oh that's wrong that's wrong. That's hundred percent wrong. And it's just, it's, it's so, it's so messed up instead of as a society, we're so judgmental. We're so quick to guilt and shame. And if you're not doing things this way, it's just, it's wrong period.
0: And I I agree. And I, I, to me, I, to me, I think that's what's scary is that, you know, we want young people to have this platform to learn and to grow and to be expressive. But yet we, you know, it's like the argument of millennials is like, you know, it's like something we can't understand for some people. And so, but it's like, but the reality is, is that our job, our job as a generation before somebody or as, or as older or as a mentor or somebody is to come behind these people and i'm not saying i'm perfect trust me like when my brother was my eternal brother was living with us like i lost my shit on him multiple times and i always had to come back to being like you know what i'm sorry man you know i i blew up at you because of my own my own view of things and i have to understand that you've got to make your own choices like i'm not saying i'm not sitting here saying that i i go around fucking being mother Teresa supporting and listening and understanding everyone. Like again, I'm a white straight heterosexual male from the upper Midwest that, you know, has lived in privilege my whole life. Like I've got my own issues uh, that I have to, and my own rose colored glasses that I have to sometimes remind myself to take off to see other people's issues. But I think the point is, is like, why, why do we do this? Why do we do this to young people? and then get frustrated with them when they won't be open about how they feel when, you know, when they're already, when we've only done, we've only confused them with how they feel. And I think that when I look at grown men, you know, and I'm, when I say grown men, I mean men in their thirties and forties, like who I, I, there's, there's men, there's men that I have that are friends in my life that like, they get so uncomfortable with any kind of real in-depth conversation that either a might force them to voice their opinion or b to be vulnerable or open about something and to me it's like to me that breaks my heart because you know it's like what like you like to back to back what you started this conversation on it's like what happened in that person's life or who spoke the wrong way into that person's life to know where we're now or what have we done in society to where now we've got grown men they would rather put a, put the barrel of a gun in their mouth and pull a trigger than talk about the things that they're struggling with, or would rather go and, you know, and, you know, and, and cheat, you know, cheat on their spouse, um, or, you know, cut some, cut one of their colleagues legs <clears throat> out from underneath them to get ahead in a job because they weren't just willing to, uh, you know, just be open about how they were feeling. And, and, and like I said, as I say these things, I say these things as a man that struggles with these things myself, but I I feel like I feel like we just like to me it's just like this is so to me this is what's so scary about the future of of our country as men. Yeah, it's just it's
1: it's just so misconstrued with how people view stuff, with how realizing that you have to almost. Like, as I try to look at it, and same with me. I'm not saying I don't – I'm fucking perfect or Mother Teresa as well. I I definitely deal with my struggles. I'm very reactive sometimes because I do express anger most of the time, so I'm very reactive, and I've been trying to focus on learning to fix that and be better about that and respond instead of react. But, I mean, it's just – we have to start coming from a place of understanding and empathizing with these people. As you said, you feel bad that these people can express their emotions because how, how hard is it to just like put yourself in someone's shoes? How hard is it to be uncomfortable in your own skin? In that sense, you feel so bad that you can't even express your own feelings or thoughts to someone because you've been shamed and guilted so hard throughout your life that you don't feel like you have a right to say what you want to say or feel how you want to
0: feel or do what you want to do. Exactly. And I think that we're not, you know, we're not putting, we're not putting systems or steps in place early on, I think enough in men, and you know, in young men's life. And I do, and like, as much as I said that there's a lot going wrong, I do see a small tide of men and coaches and mentors that are coming out of the woodwork that are starting to reframe, you know, the idea of what it means to be a man, like, you know, a, great book is, um, the mask of masculinity by Lewis Howes. Like, you know, like to, to be able to see a man who by a lot of, you know, young men's definition is successful. He's, you know, had a professional fit or professional sport career. Now he's a millionaire entrepreneur. He's good looking. He's got a banging, you know, significant other. Um, he's, you know, he's well-spoken. It's like, but when you read his book, you realize that like, his life was riddled with not only sexual abuse, but sexual abuse from a parent and then uh, neglect and hurt and failure and, and, you know, and things like him or, you know, it's like, so it's like, if there, if, if these examples are out there, it's like, why are we, why are we not, why are we not talking about these examples more? Like, why are we not, why, why are we so, Why, why do we still cling to so, so many stereotypes of what young men, you know, young men should be? And I think that that's, that's what has to change is that, you know, the more we can start to change the stereotype, um, of, for young men at a young age of what it means to be a young man than or means to be a man Then I think that over time we'll start to see that turn. And, and I think that that's, those are the conversations that need to be had just as much as grown men being able to have the conversations of what's bothering them and what's scaring them. Like we also need to be having those conversations with young men as well.
1: Absolutely. I think we just, in fact, need to start those conversations and for those, for those men that feel that they can't express those things, we have to be there and listen and be like, Hey, no, dude, you can tell me like, I'm not gonna shit on your face or shame you or guilt you like it's okay to feel what you're feeling. It's okay to think what you're thinking. You just have to, let it out and from coming from experience with like with stuff i've had when i've struggled with emotions and struggled with reactivity and such and just to sit down and actually talk about it has felt like a huge huge weight gets taken off my shoulders every single time i sit down and just even like just ball my eyes out just sit down and cry or hear something i don't really want to hear or talk about something i don't really want to talk about once you're done 30 minutes
0: later you feel pretty damn good well, no, and I agree, and I think that even like you're saying, even like the science supports that, like it's saying that like you know, if we look at psychology, like what like if you think about if you think about the perfect scenario or not the perfect scenario, but the cliche scenario of someone laying on the you know the couch in the in the office talking to their therapist, like you know a therapist's job isn't to tell you how to make decisions, a therapist's job is to guide you to come to your own revolutions and finally make your own decisions for yourself that you've been needing to. And I think that that's the conversations like you're saying, exactly what you're saying. Those are the conversations we need to have with young men is not, I I, I think before where, where the toxic environment came from is, is was telling young men what we think that they should be because we thought it was good for them. And I think that this that we could, we could still do the same thing, and, and, and think we're doing it in a positive way, but still have a similar effect. And I think that instead of telling young men, anything and young women, but since we're talking about young men, like we, instead of telling them anything, we need to be asking young men, how did that make you feel? Okay. It made you angry. Why do you think it made you angry? Because of this. Okay. Well, wh- well, why do you, th- why do you think that that made, you know, that made you feel this way? And it's like, it's like if if we can have those kind of conversations with young men and men in general, then we can usually allow men and people to come, to bring themselves to the root of what's, what's getting to them or what's, what's causing this certain behavior, attitude, reaction, you know, everything. And I think that, I think that that's the, the, that's, Because everybody wants to go out and offer value and say, hey, if you do this thing, these things will get better or this will change or this is like that, that, that's, you can't just reflect on what's works for you, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. for years was my biggest downfall is I thought, well, hey, well, people should just, you know, this worked for me. So you should just do this thing. It's like, well, no, first I need to really just ask questions like, hey, like what, like what, what is, what is really bothering you? Why is it bothering you? Um, what what do you think brought you to the conclusion of that bothering you? And it's like usually when you have – that could even just be a 10, 15-minute conversation. And usually when that happens, it's like not only are the walls broken down, but now the connection that we have between each other is much more real. Because I can – even if I thought your behavior was wrong, I can now start to identify and understand where you were coming from, from where it all started. And then by that solution – Now we can get to the, get to the place that, get to a place that helps us fix it, but in a way that is healthy, that is productive, that is constructive for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say, and I just think that that's what we need to be teaching young men because the more we can teach young men that not only is that going to make their relationship with each other as men better but imagine what it's going to do for the the romantic and 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 significant other partnerships they want to have as they as they grow older because now we've taught them communication skills on on understanding that hey somebody else is going to be different than you somebody else is going to process things different differently than you and as long as you can come around it in this point of conversation and that's not to mean that's not to mean that we're coming around and holding hands and passing out lotions and essential oils to each other, there still is going to be a point where we're firm in, in our resolve. We go, Hey dude, you're, you're, you're fucking up, but let's get to the bottom of why you're fucked or why, why you're being, you know, so unhealthy or why you're being toxic to this environment, you know? And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we're not, we're not holding a standard we're not holding an expectation, but it's, we're getting to that standard or we're getting that to the expectation in a way that's built around getting to understand each other versus getting you to just conform to what I think is the right decision to make.
1: Mm, exactly. I think that's like, what do, what do you even think about like, what, what is therapy, but holding space for someone? I think as right. young men, and old men, we have to come to the conclusion that we just need to hold that space for someone and listen to them and validate their feelings and make them feel heard. Like, Therapy is essentially being someone who accepts people for who they are, not trying to change them, but maybe, yeah, hey, dude, if you're fucking up, like, well, yeah, let's get to the underlying meaning of it. Like, what is this? But just being accepting and not shaming or guilting them, just kind of helping them find their own way through their problems and sifting through their bullshit.
0: No, I I 100% agree. And I think that, you know, I mean... Yeah, it's just like, and and this is a conversation that, you know, that you could literally, there's so many different ways you could go about this. But I think that, I think that in its simplest form, it's just, uh, it's just asking more questions of people. I think that too much we want to give people our answers. And instead, instead of, instead of always wanting to give people the answers, I think we need to ask more questions. Mm. You know, because I mean, who, you know, that could be the right answer for you. And sure, in your mind, you're trying to offer somebody value and you're trying to offer something that you think is positive because it was a positive outcome or growth point for you. But I mean, you know, you know, take my friend Henry, for instance, like me and Henry are very close, but like we are two completely different people. And I have made the mistake on more than one occasion of trying to speak into his life when he's struggling about something. And instead of asking him a question, just trying to give him what was the answer for me. And like that totally either him just being like, no dude, that like does not work for me or him trying to take the answer that I provided him and, and mold it to his life and it like backfiring on him or, or making things worse. And it's like, well, of course it made it worse because it was my answer to my solution that I gave to him instead of just asking questions and, and, and helping him come, you know, surmise his own answer of, of, of what he needed to, to get through his situation. And I, and so I think the more, the more that we can give and teach young men skills, uh, you know, uh, of communication, I think the, I think the greater society we're going to have and I think that we're going to see the the greater we'll see leaders that are able to be born, not just as strong young men, but as strong young leaders across that will be able to communicate across gender, orientation, race, uh, religion, all those types of things, because they're going to be able to communicate in a way that is about asking, asking versus telling and, and like I said, there's going to always be a point where we have to tell somebody something. We have to have expectation standards until the line. But I don't always think that that should be our first gut reaction. And unfortunately, in the society that we live in America, like because oh, it's a free, free country and everyone's entitled to their opinion. It's like, yeah, true. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone's also entitled to meth. But like, like, like that's not fucking good. That's not fucking good for, for anybody, you know what I mean? And and so I think that, I think the more, the more we can just simplify things and just ask more questions and have conversations. And I know that seems like such a stupid, simple answer, but as you and I have come to learn with, in our relationship and friendships, like it, it, it is the fucking answer. Yeah. It's always, it's always
1: the simplest shit is the way to the end essentially yeah i mean the
0: the obstacle is the way right exactly
1: yeah i want i want to kind of we're over an hour now so i want to hit this last note and kind of get your perspective on it so i've i've read a few few self help books if you will so i have i read this book called uh, i used to be a miserable fuck by john kim the angry therapist and his, defi- his his definition of a man is this men are vulnerable men are aware of their thoughts and actions Men don't react, they respond. Men realize that freedom is not the opposite of responsibility. Men let the world work through them, not at them. Men are humble. Men don't bully, whine, or judge. Men are compassionate. Men are kind. And men create their own happiness.
0: Yeah, so I mean, like, in my mind, as you read that, like, literally the illustration that I have in front of me is like, is like Leonidas from, like, 300. Like hell yeah! Not only not only was the hell yeah, Um, not only was not only was that dude like you know a a warrior and fucking probably slayed slayed you know and 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 tore it up between the sheets, but like he he was a leader. He was a leader, and he understood. He understood that not only did he have an obligation to himself and his men, but he had an obligation to a cause. (laughs) you know and granted whether you want to fantasize the story of the spartans or the story of that movie in general like it's a great depiction i think of what it means to be a man because what what was one of you know if you think about the movie 300 after xerxes you know he found out that like xerxes was coming to like take everything instead of just being like ah, oh, i know what to do what was the first thing he did like what he climbed the mountain to do what to go see the see the oracle, yeah, to consult the oracle. Because what did he knew? He knew that he is a man; his direct decisions were, you know, were fallible. And even before he went to seek the oracle, you know, he was he was ready to hard charge. And before he went to seek the oracle, who was the one that told him that he needed to get a second opinion?
1: His lady, wasn't
0: it? His wife, exactly. Yes, you know what I mean. And so, not only not only is he a form, was he a formidable figure, but a he was willing to listen to the counsel of his partner. You know, he was he was able to listen to the counsel of his partner. He was able to climb a mountain, which wasn't easy, you know, and for most of us that's as men, that's our confidence, to go find someone to be like, hey, there's this thing I'm thinking about, but I want to get your opinion. I want to have perspective. And he got his answer, and, you know, and then he had to take a stand, for a cause, completely outnumbered, like everything, you know, everything out of his favor. And at the very end, he knew that his only option to, you know, make anything better was to sacrifice not only his, his belief in the world around him, but himself. And I think that just like what you're saying in that is that, you know, the, you know, we as, you know, we as men are our job and our responsibility to each other is to like you're saying like is to be humble to work you know what did you say did he work what did you say about the world the work world works what the world works through them not at them. Yeah, exactly so we let the world work through us and i think for me what that means is that society doesn't dictate who i should or shouldn't be because if that was the case like fuck there's like there's no answer to that so it's like yeah. if i'm letting the world work through me you know that i'm taking it all in i'm listening i'm i'm hearing i'm studying i'm being i'm being not just a warrior i'm being a scholar and i and i'm understanding trying to understand different people different cultures different viewpoints so that when i when someone calls upon comes when the day comes when someone comes to me and i have to make a crucial decision that impacts not just my life but many of you know lives around me or lives of people i care about then i can make those decisions not of my own insecurities of, of what I want to prove to the world or prove to myself, but I can make that in an understanding of that, you know, that I, that I can see, I can see everything. And I think that, I think that as men is like, you know, that if we, if we're talking about men and then the way that we're talking about men, like, I think that that's our job. Our job is when you, when you say a protector, it's not for me to just be able to, like, I shouldn't just be able to like bash skulls. I should also be able to debate and to argue and to, you know, and, and to bring education. And I think that that's just as much a protector as anything. And so I, I agree with that, that definition. I think that we have a, we just have a bigger responsibility to the world sometimes. than I think that we give ourselves credit for.
1: Absolutely. I think absolutely.
0: That's a fucking movie. What is your profession? <laughs> oh but yeah no i mean yeah like i said this this is a conversation that i think is i mean this is this conversation has been had since the beginning of time and it'll continue to evolve and it will continue to go through stages where you know the idea of masculinity is hated then it'll be loved and hated and loved and i think such is the evolution of us as human beings is that we always we always are on the horizon to search to you know it's like We all believe in the scientific method, but I think we always, we all forget that the scientific method can also apply to life. Like there's, there's something that's proven and our job is to try to debunk that thing and find a better solution. If there is a better solution, you know, and I, and I think the more that we can understand building up men, but also building up young, young men and young women, uh, you know, and, and always trying to find better ways and always asking ourselves again and again and again, if what we've been doing is the right way, then, you know, that's that's the best we can do.
1: Yeah, I think you're hitting that right on the head. The biggest thing we can do is just reflect. Self-reflection right. within ourselves and as a society and just continue the conversation and continually strive to get better because we're never going to be perfect. No one's ever going to be 100% the perfect man or the ideal definition of a man. There's going to be close, but right. there's obviously still going to be flaws within everyone. Like, I'm sure, yeah, you know what I'm saying.
0: No, and I and, and as we talk about this, like... I am extremely flawed, like, extremely flawed. Like, I, fu- I fuck shit up all the time. Not, and not even, and not even in a good way. No, no, exactly. And, and, and not even just for myself. Like, I fuck shit up for my family, and I fuck shit up for my relationship and business. Like, I fuck shit up all the time. But I think the biggest takeaway I have is that I always... I have been taught, and fortunate enough to be taught by some awesome men in my life, you know, my father being one of those people, is that there's always... There's always a lesson to be learned, and there's always there's always grace there's always grace within power and I think that when we can find that grace and and as men then then that is a powerful thing because then we can really i think then we can really communicate with a lot of people
1: absolutely give yourself that grace daily and just get back up and swing at it again you keep just keep on swinging and trying to get better each and every day that's right. Hitting dingers, dingers, going ya in this going motherfucker, y-
0: <laughs> <laughs> and running through a motherfucker's face over, and over, over, and over. Yeah, yes. So maybe Marshawn Lynch had it right on. Uh, maybe he, maybe he's the real, the real poet of the Skittles, thing. Skittles or die. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, I mean, dude, thank, right, this was a. This is gonna be a banger, banger conversation. So I'm excited for people to hear it. But hell yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening into episode two of the deep end. Um, we hope you guys enjoy this. As always, if there's any feedback you can offer us, um shoot us a message, shoot us a text if you thought this episode was trash, let us know. Um, yeah, so but we will uh we will see you guys next week for episode three. Deuce deuce. Hope y'all had a good fourth. Sick. All right, buddy. Well, I will talk to you later. Talk to you later, Mike. Bye. Bye.